Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the special episode of The Long Game with LZ and Leach from the Recounter Acast. I'm LZ Granderson, and I'm pissed off! I'm Will Leach, and who isn't right now? Uh, it is time for our first ever emergency podcast. We need an alarm or one of those trucks that goes, oh, God. We've been wanting to do an emergency podcast for a while, and either one of us can think of a better time to do one than right now. Yeah, normally we record on Tuesdays, but the news broke that Brian Flores is suing the NFL, and we've decided that we could not let a full week go by without weighing in. Yes, that happened right after we stopped taping, so we certainly <laughs> needed to get on that. So it is hard to believe Tom Brady's retirement is now just a distant memory from all of this. But for those of you who don't know the details, Brian Flores, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins, filed a class action lawsuit Tuesday afternoon against the NFL and three teams. The Dolphins for pressuring him to lose games intentionally and to improperly recruit a player, and both the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos for holding sham head coaching interviews with Flores, who is Afro-Latino, just to satisfy a league mandate that requires teams to interview minorities for job openings. Now, the NFL is strongly denying the accusations, but Flores it says he has evidence to back up his claims, including the text messages with Bill Belichick, which I can't believe how Bill Belichick texts. It's very strange. That, that frankly seemed pretty damning. And he's hinting that more coaches of color will be joining the lawsuit as well. And if so, if it hasn't already, this is going to have a rather seismic impact on the NFL. LZ, there is so much to unpack. I can't wait to talk to you about this. It's a massive story. Where do you even want to start? Well, let's see here. Why don't we start with the text message that really was, to me, the most important piece of information to come out out of the entire discussion. Because here you have arguably the greatest coach of all time, just trying to be a nice guy, congratulate one of his former assistants on being hired for this great job. Only he didn't bother, I guess, putting in the full last name or he just had a letter or whatever it is. But the brand that he texted was not the brand that got the job. Right. You know, he thought he was texting white Brian, he got black Brian, <laughs> and now we have this lawsuit, essentially, yeah. because black Brian found out that the interview that he was going to have three days from the point in which he got the text message was really just an exercise in futility because the New York Giants had already decided who was going to be the hire, which was going to be white Brian. You got that? You got all that? Yeah. Okay. So having this text message out there tells you a lot of things. Number one. It reminds you that these coaches, these executives, these owners, they all talk. They all talk to one another. Nothing nefarious about it, only that it helps inform you about the dynamics of the NFL behind the scenes. So as people begin to tell you about things that they don't know, just know that Bill Belichick knew exactly who the Giants were going to hire three days before Blind Flores was heading for his interview. Yeah. So that's what you need to know. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two... 
it does kind of show you that there is a fraternity there amongst at least Bill Belichick and his coaching staff because it is a nice gesture, Will. I don't want that part to be lost. (laughs) It is a nice gesture to congratulate someone for getting an opportunity. And I'm sure Brian Flores would have loved to have received that on day four. Yeah. After yes. his interview. Right. After the actual interview they had a chance to sell himself on the job for, yes. Exactly. And I think the other other part that's absolutely incredible to me about this story is how quickly the NFL came out and said this was without merit. Right. This was without merit. You're sitting there with literally one head coach as a black man, one head coach in the NFL. And that one head coach, by the way, has never had a losing season, which one could argue is the only reason why he still has his job because <laughs> he can't <laughs> right, be afforded right. to have a losing season. You could make that argument. Nothing to help Flores. Flores won seven games in a row this year and got fired. Flores finished <laughs> back-to-back winning seasons for Miami for the first time in 20 years in their franchise's history, yeah. and he still got fired. So there's a lot there to unpack, but you know the text message recognizing the fraternity and then of course the fact that the nfl didn't even bother saying that this was an important matter but rather just said this is without merit when they knew good and damn well they were using race normie to decide who should be paid on the back end in retirement and if for those who don't know the race norming story the nfl was employing this procedure basically that just going to cut right down to it that assumed black people were dumber than white people and the nfl was using that model in order to figure out who should be compensated what on the back end. And now they want to say this idea that there's racism in NFL is without merit is just absolutely ridiculous. So, Will, you're representing all of white people. Take it away. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> so, first off, I can't imagine just on a human level what it must have felt like for Flores, who, again, the Giants' job's a great job. He's a really qualified it's, guy. It's a good, it's a good job. It's well, okay, fine. It's, 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 whatever. It's, there's not that many hood coaching jobs. It would be All one right, of them. Fine. And he's preparing for this interview. He's worked his entire career to get to this point. He yep. knows it's three days away. This is a big moment. And then Bill... Bill freaking Belichick. We talk about like him knowing. I mean, Bill Belichick is widely considered, if not the greatest coach of all time, at least one of the coaches of all time. And of course, the focus of power in the NFL in so many ways. I cannot fathom what it would have had to have been like to get that note being like, oh, that job that you're about to go to. Don't bother. Like, don't oh, bother. I, and, and to get it in that sort of way, it's I, I cannot fathom how crushing that must have been. And I would like to talk a little bit about the way that this has been orchestrated. Unfortunately, Flores did not wait for our podcast to finish taping. But the timing otherwise, I would argue, was pretty well put together. This is released on Tuesday afternoon, heading right into Super Bowl week. Then he's got everything lined up all day. And it's not just the Belichick thing. There are legitimate, huge news items in here. And then later, Hugh Jackson coming out and saying the Browns told him the exact same thing. But let's put it no other way. It's a bribe. It's a bribe to lose. We all understand a certain kind of winking, winking. Okay, it's tank for Tua or suck for luck or all the things that they used to always talk. But we all understand that it is quite another to go to a coach and say, I will give you bonuses to lose games. That's a serious, massive accusation. And we have two different people making that. (laughs) We have two different coaches making that. And listen, Flores has been around for a long time. Hugh Jackson's been around for a long time. He's he's been a coach for a long time, too. He's putting himself on the line in this, too. I think it speaks to what Flores was talking about. The having this coming out on the Black History Month, heading into Super Bowl week. Make sure this is going to be the story all week. But it, it also, I think, speaks to the power structure of the NFL and how there are just certain people that are all in on what's going on. 
tend to yep. be very white and a lot of people that are just on the outside of that circle. I think that's why I'm so glad that you kind of started with that. Again, Belichick trying to be nice, but right. it actually is exactly what the problem is, is there's a whole group of people over here that know what's going on and have the power to make things happen and are talking to each other about what will happen and already know what's going on. And there's a whole group of people over here that don't have anything to do with it. I was surprised. I have to confess, maybe I'm, I'm naive. I was a little surprised that the NFL immediately went out so strongly and said, there's no merit. This is not real. And maybe that's a legalistic strategy with the end racism on the back of the helmets. It, there's the joke about, <laughs> wow, I'm getting a lot of questions about end racism. I feel like my end racism helmet should be answering. Like, like the idea <laughs> that after the last two years and after them trying to turn the corner and saying no, after Kaepernick and after them trying to put the message on the helmets and do all these things, then to like say, oh no, there's a lawsuit. Forget all of that. It is without merit. Not only does it feel terrible that they did that, but it, I think it's definitive proof. All of that was bullshit. Yes. All of that was bullshit. All yes. of that was crap. It was just PR maintenance to try to get through. It's on a lot of us to not let them get, let them get away with it. Well, they haven't gotten away with it in terms of scrutiny. They've been scrutinized much of the past 20 years since the Rooney Rule has been enacted. And certainly you can say, well, the Rooney Rule has helped, you know, black GMs. That argument, which I have now seen floated out there, mm -hmm. <laughs> is really not hitting the mark. The issue isn't about how many minorities that you're hiring. The issue is about that old boys network yeah. that gave Bill Belichick information that Brian Flores wasn't privy to. Right. That's the issue. That at no point since the Rudy rule has been in place, can you point to a, a period of time in which you felt as if the lines of communications were open for everyone? It was still a rabbit chasing the carrot sort of scenario. What the only difference is, is that instead of the rabbit carrying just one carrot, the <laughs> rabbit was chasing like two or three. That's the Rooney rule. Here, chase all these, you know, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. get one of these, lots of opportunities. There was never really an earnest attempt to change the dynamic in the NFL. And you can prove it. There's one black head coach Wait, and he had you, to you, win every you, year. Listen, you know what? You don't even need to prove it just with this season. Just look at the collective yeah. data. Yeah. More than 120 NFL head coaching opportunities and 15 African-American hires. More than 120 job openings. 15 were filled by black men and one of those black men got fired after one year. Yeah. By an organization, by the way, let's just talk on it. Shit. Can we talk on it, Will? Can Please. we talk on it for a second? Because the Houston, Texas is the organization that hired a search firm to find its GM. Mm -hmm. And when that search firm presented that franchise with two minority candidates as the best options, the Houston, Texas is the organization that said, fuck that, give us the white dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that's the organization after the uproar that hired the black coach for the one season and then fired him. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing here? And I know I got my Rams poncho behind me. And I know some people may be thinking, well, if you got such a problem with it, then why don't you start watching the NFL? That's a bullshit rationale right, that right. says if you're talking about police brutality and you're so upset about it, just leave the country. Yeah. No, that's that's not the solution. <laughs> the idea that like, well, it's really horrible, so go away from it and don't try to fix it is the opposite of the way the humanity works at all. I also want to focus a little bit on the Elway thing. 
the thing that the lawsuit has, in addition to like the facts and the data behind it, it has these really emotional things to it. You can totally feel how Flores must have felt, not just for the Belichick thing, but the idea to go in for an interview, to be excited to get an interview with the Broncos. Again, great job. And to have them clearly not give a shit. They're hungover. They don't care. They've already decided. (laughs) <laughs> they've right. already decided and you're there because there's this rule that says they're supposed to be there. And right. I, I just like at a core level, it's no fucking wonder Flores blew it up like this. I'm curious because, you know, I do think there's been a lot of talk about how uh, I think this is true, that Flores has put his own career clearly on the line or maybe even just nuked it. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is like going, damn, dog, you sure? Yeah. And <laughs> but it's worth noting, however, that the NFL has been clear and it's like there is no merit to these allegations you've not seen that from some black players and coaches <laughs> i think no. you've seen you've seen support there and that's what i'm curious moving forward is again we're about to go to have the entire sports media the entire primarily white sports media but certainly also a sports media that loves to get a bone and grab it <laughs> and go after things uh, and go after goodell certainly during press conferences it was already going to be a major thing he was going to be asked now it is the thing that he's going to be asked the next step of this was seeing Hugh Jackson on SportsCenter talking about the Browns doing the same thing to him that the Dolphins did to Flores. That's another peg. This feels well orchestrated, well planned, and well put together to where it feels like there's more stuff coming. Right. And it feels like there's more people that are going to be speaking out and that will not allow this to get caught up and drowned in the kind of the maw of, of the NFL's power. And, you know, you've said yourself many times that the NFL always get till Sunday, right? Get till Sunday, make it till Sunday. People yeah. will watch the games and they'll be able to get through it. I feel like the timing of this and the, how well it put together is, it's been has specifically focused on that idea. You know what? You got two weeks where everyone's talking about the NFL. And there's no football. It seems really, really smart. And I do feel like more and more is coming. Well, I hope so. And you are right. Having Hugh Jackson come out and basically co-sign mm-hmm. Brian Flores' accusations was an important step. There are two more steps, I think, that need to happen before we can even start thinking about there being significant change. Step number three, if you will, mm-hmm. is having the more than 70% of players who are Black find some way to come together in some sort of statement or rally around Brian. Don't leave that brother out there dangling, fighting this by himself. You all see it too. You all are aware of it. And oh, by the way, when you retire and you want to continue coaching, (laughs) you may just want this to be resolved before you get to that point in your career. Just putting that out there. Mm -hmm. Just, Just saying, if you think you may want to be a coach one day and you're 26 years old, but you don't want to fuck up your papers, so you don't know if you want to back up Brian Flores or not, just knowing you're 34 years old, if you didn't do shit today, you may end up being the next Brian Flores tomorrow. The other thing I want to talk about is the fact that white players see it too. White players know you haven't had a fucking black head coach. You know you spent 10 years in the league and have seen what you've seen. So while I do want black players to come together and speak out in support of Brian Forrest for no other reason than self-preservation when they retire one day, the other aspect of it is, listen, Josh McCown (laughs) was a huge white voice during the Colin Kaepernick criminal justice reform conversation. And he now finds himself riding on the coattails of white privilege. And why do I say that? Because he hasn't coached anywhere other than high school at any other level. And he's being considered 
for a head coaching position in the NFL. And I get it. This could be a dream opportunity for you. But this is also an opportunity for you to back up all those words you said. Mm-hmm. Come on now. When Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee and you were saying that you were trying to become more informed about the issues. Well, here's an opportunity for us to see just how informed you are. <laughs> now, am I saying Josh McCown needs to say, no, no, don't consider me. Let me walk away. Yeah. No. Then I am give, saying that. They'll just give it to another white guy. <laughs> I, mean, I am saying that. And you know why I'm saying that? Because Josh McCown knows. Yeah. He knows full well yeah. that there have been many tens and tens and tens, if not hundreds of black men who have worked their way up as coordinators, as coaches, assistant coaches for years and years and years, grinding away, trying to get an opportunity just to get an interview. And he just parachutes mm. in without any of that experience. He's no. got to know something, right? <laughs> it's not just about Josh, Will. I mean, of course. I'm talking about all of the coaches and all of the players who are very much aware of what's been going on, you know, certainly over the last 10 years, but definitely since the Rooney Rule has been in place, including Bill Belichick, including Bill Parcells, including so many other great coaches that we turn to in terms of being a voice in terms of the historical aspect of the NFL. You've all witnessed it. So say something. Bill, you sent the text to the wrong person. You see how this is blown up. Say something. And he hasn't even acknowledged it was him yet. Like he has not, he said nothing. He, <laughs> n- he said nothing. He hasn't even acknowledged the text he, was from him. What is he going to say? His dog sent the text? <laughs> what is he going to say? His phone cute, was... You know, I remember from the draft him having a cute dog, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what is he going to say, Will, that, you know... Yeah. I lost my phone and someone else had it. Don't you know, make us do a GPS track. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say exactly what he's saying right now. Zilch. He's saying <laughs> nothing. He's not going to say anything. I think this is such a good point. And I think focusing on McCown is, I think uh, he's definitely very indicative of this issue. It can't just be Flores and Jackson. Right. Like it can't. But I think it's interesting to see what you saw last summer. You saw McCown. You saw Aaron Rodgers. You saw Drew Brees. You saw these people all kind of speak up. I don't see them doing that right now. I don't see that. I right assume now. that their phones all ran out of battery. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that they have it's to you know, charge it up before they're able to make strong statements. I understand. There's a chip <laughs> shortage. I get it. You know, everyone is everyone's doing the best they can. But uh, I think it is telling that you're not hearing that. You're not hearing that yet. Right. And I think that is telling and probably kind of depressingly so. Now, obviously, we're going to talk more about this on Monday. We're taping on Monday, but this really felt like such a big thing that we really wanted to kind of get something out because, uh, shit, what the hell are we doing this podcast for if we're not talking about this? <laughs> like, this is exactly. literally what we're here to talk about. It touches everything. I'm going to see you out in the Super Bowl. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see how this plays and what kind of momentum the story uh, continues to have. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The Long Game with LZ and Leach. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. And just a couple of quick program notes. Next week and next week only, we'll be live on Twitch on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash the recount. That's twitch.tv slash the recount to continue breaking down the biggest stories in sports. And we'll drop our next podcast on Tuesday. So check out the recount Twitter for up to the minute info about our Super Bowl coverage. And we'll see you then. <laughs>